Telefalava o ne o Kroi Hawkins o Simaela Fafufonga in Pacific Waves RNZ Pacifica. Coming up. Well, it was a privilege for me when the cabinet decided that I would raise the flag on the 60th anniversary. Samoa's Prime Minister starts her first official visit to New Zealand. I'm really excited because uh, working with the ladies on board Making history, the first female crewed tuna longliner set sail from Fiji, and there's been a funding boost for work to address a child malnutrition crisis in the Marshall Islands. Samoa's Prime Minister, Fiamme Naomi Matafa, was warmly welcomed by more than 200 members of the Samoan community at Auckland University of Technology ahead of the official program for her visit to New Zealand. The reception began with an acknowledgement of Samoa's 60th anniversary of independence and noted the official photo from the 1st of June showing Fiamme raising the Samoan flag alongside a black and white image of her father, Samoa's first Prime Minister, Fiamme Matafa Faumuina Mulinu, lowering the New Zealand flag in 1962. Fiamme spoke openly about her role as Samoa's first female Prime Minister, including questions about the influence of her parents. Let's start with my father. They were quite different kind of personalities. Mutafa was um, very much a, a reflective personality. You know, he would look at things and sit back and contemplate and consider. Um, on the other side, uh, my mother was very quick uh, to take hold of a situation um, and then act in how she thought you know, it was appropriate uh, to do so. I think I've, I've been fortunate to, to have a balance of, of those two traits. I mean, these, this is very general, of course. But I think my own personality, I tend to be more contemplative and, and reflective. Um, I'm, I'm not uh, fast off uh, in, in, in responses. But I, I also think um, what I am able to, to, to get from my mother and she always made this point that, you know, it's, it's really important to understand whatever context that you find yourself in, uh, not only the environment, but the people who are there. So it's really, you know, being conscious, um, I suppose, of the audience or uh, those, you know, you're, you're having uh, any engagements uh, with. Fiamme also spoke of the historic moment when she was asked as the first female Prime Minister to raise Samoa's flag during the 60th Independence Anniversary celebrations in Apia at the start of the month. So I was um, reflecting, of course, um, on the original day and, of course, the role that my father played. And I was also very conscious uh, because, you know, it's so full of uh, emotions um, that I had that un- under control uh, when, when I got there. Um, but it, I mean, the timing, um, the ambience in Mulinu, although it was a very much diminished, um, I think the, uh, the essence of the celebration, the commemoration, and I, I think for all of us also, just reflecting on 60 years. So I, I felt, well, it was a privilege for me uh, when Cabinet decided that I would raise the flag on the 60th anniversary. Um, 
because in previous years the Council of uh, Deputies have usually performed this function. I recall on the 50th anniversary uh, we had decided uh, for uh, the last survivor of the Constitutional Convention, that he would raise the flag because it was a significant day. So I think for the 60th, um, Cabinet um, wanted to recognize, I think, that um, you know, being the first uh, woman Prime Minister and also our new administration. On Tuesday, Fiamir begins a three-day program hosted by the New Zealand government, meeting with New Zealand's Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern in Wellington, followed by meetings with New Zealand's Foreign Affairs Minister Naya Mahuta and Climate Change Minister James Shaw. Also ahead of Fiamir's official visit to the capital, we also spoke with the outgoing Samoa High Commissioner to New Zealand, who believes his country's relationship with New Zealand is going from strength to strength. Leasi Papali'i Tommy Scanlon was appointed to his position more than 10 years ago by the now opposition HRPP party. Lydia Lewis spoke with him on his final few days on the job. Well, it's a first state visit by our Prime Minister since she became a, a Prime Minister uh, after the national elections last year. So it's very significant for, significant for us because being her first state visit to New Zealand reflects the close relationship and long-standing relationship that we have with New Zealand. As you're probably aware, we have a uh, treaty of friendship that was signed with New Zealand in uh, 1962 uh, after we became independent. And, of course, going Further back, in 1962, we, we were administered by New Zealand uh, um, during, after the First World War. So that we have a very long-standing relationship. So the significance of our Prime Minister's visit reflects that close relationship. And uh, this year marks the 60th anniversary of our independence as well as the 60th anniversary of our treaty of friendship with New Zealand. Reflecting on your time in this position, what, what has been a highlight? For me, I think over the 10 years, what I have noticed is that the relationship between our two countries have become a lot closer, and uh, I think it's a lot more uh, consultative process that has eventuated between the two countries. And I think it's helped uh, by the fact that we do have now in, in government a lot of uh, ministers who are Samoan uh, ancestry, as well as members of parliament. What is your message to Samoans across New Zealand? Well, the challenge is, unfortunately, the challenges with COVID and climate change and inflation in, in, in uh, New Zealand, uh, the challenges are mounting. There will, be, there will be challenges that are here and now, and there will continue to be new challenges as new variants of COVID-19 come through and the restrictive uh, travelling will, will continue. So my message to our people is to be patient, stay calm, and uh, look after each other and work hard and ensure that they remember where they, they came from, the roots. The culture is, is built around family. And that's the, the kind of spirit that I've also en en encouraged here, promoted here in our diplomatic corps, is that family is important and, and we need to look after each other. Uh, if I can, can, can leave that message with our people, is that they look after each other, love one another, and help out those who are uh, less fortunate than you are and um, stay out of trouble. <laughs> and do you think that the Prime Minister's visit is a little bit of a sprinkling of fertiliser on those routes? Yes, definitely. The Prime Minister has... Uh, Mamidi is our first female Prime Minister. Her mother was also the first uh, female... Uh, our first uh, head of mission that came 
Uh, she was my predecessor. She was a high commissioner here in this post um, back in 1993, I think it was. And her father was the first prime minister. So, uh, and she's been she was in she's been in parliament now for for, for close to 40 years. Um, I think started off when she was 28 years old. So I think she because from that upbringing uh, for the system and uh, her father was a parent. He comes she comes from one of our noble families back home. Um, I think she she's uh, pretty strong uh, in culture, and uh, she her being here, and I know that most of her speeches always talked about culture and uh, the need for for Samoans to remember the custom and the tradition of Samoa, which is based on respect and forgiveness and love for each other. So I think she's pretty strong with that with culture. I mean, she was became a chief. Matai, I mean, she was 21 years old, uh, taking on a very high title that her father uh, uh, um, was. Her father was um, had that title, and she passed he passed it on to her. And and, and being a Matai at the age of 21, uh, that's a very young age and for the system. So I think she's, she's well groomed to be uh, the leader. I mean, and, and the prime minister at this time of. Uh, of our journey through our political system and, and through our uh, economy and, uh, and, and our country's history. Leasi says he's going to leave discussions around China's growing influence across the Pacific to Prime Minister Fiamme Naomi Matafa in her meetings with Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern. The first ever all-female deck crew aboard a tuna longliner set sail from Fiji this evening on a nine-day fishing expedition, making history for the industry the world over. The milestone achievement has been reached through a collaboration between Sequest Fiji and the Pacific Islands Forum Fisheries Agency with a focus on opening career pathways and providing equal opportunities for women. Joining me is Sequest Chief Executive Brett Haywood. Nisan Bulubinaka, Brett, tell us more about this crew. Yeah, this uh, project uh, initiative uh, with FFA, the Foreign Fisheries Agency, and uh, Sequest uh, uh, started uh, about March last year. The the idea was muted, and uh, we talked about it, and and it 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 came from a, a vision of a post-COVID uh, uh, operation uh, where we were shut down due to high. Uh, Air freight costs, etc. We uh, we had to cease uh, operations for for, for a time. Uh, so we looked at uh, the level of uh, expertise um, in uh, our lovely Fiji Isles, and uh, we uh, decided that um, we needed to expand it. And uh, the best way to to do that was to look at uh, women uh, to take their place uh, on board of a a fishing vessel. So we uh, pursued it. There was a lot of work in the background uh, done by FFA, and uh, um, but uh, it's come to fruition, and uh, here we are today. It's a happening thing. Also with me is Chief Officer Joanna Kotuidikumbia, Vakauda Tandra, on the Sequest Fiji vessel Siakatu, and she holds a Master Class 5 certificate and supports the captain by overseeing the operation of the vessel. One of the barriers for women in commercial fisheries is that male crews often underestimate the skills of women. Joanna says women have a place in the industry and she is seeking higher qualifications. 
Joanna, how do you feel about leading this team of women on what is an historic first voyage in this industry? Uh, I'm really excited because uh, working with the ladies on board uh, give me time to share my work experience with them. And uh, I know that uh, like working with girls will be easy for me because they are girls. I understand how we like how we roll. Talking about that, what other things are the advantages of having an all 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 woman crew that would probably not be as as efficient or as functional in a mixed crew? Like uh, with the girls, for me it will be easy communicate with girls. Uh, I'm not saying that uh, it's hard for me to communicate with the uh, guys with uh, my seafarer brothers. No, like I mentioned, it uh, like girls to girls, it will be easy how how you will communicate. Like for example, sometimes when I work with men, because that's a men's field, when I give uh, an order, sometimes they like they disrespect or they don't want to listen order because it's a men's field. They said no, that's my job. It's my field. So yeah, it's true. But with the girls, it will be like for me, it will be easy talking to them, like uh, tell them what to do. It'll be easy. And and um. So for yourself, let's talk about yourself. What what has been your career progression? What why did you why did you choose this this career and and what how has it gone for you so far? Um, I chose this uh, career because uh, my interest was into sailing, but uh, I didn't know that I'll end up in the fishing vessel. Um, but I I once I started in the fishing vessel, I loved it. And uh, it's a really tough job, longline fishing, but uh, still, I love even some of my female uh, sisters, seafarer uh, sisters, out in the passenger boat, tourist boat. They told me, hey, come to this uh, vessel here, passenger boat. It's uh, much easier than going out at a, going a fishing vessel. Eh? But uh, I said, no, I loved it here. Fishing vessel. I I love I love working in the fishing vessel, and um, I don't know when I will see quit, but uh, when I will want to quit. But uh, uh, with my careers, uh, I just uh, achieved my master class five, and I'm working on my class four. I'm waiting for all of my class four master. Congrats and well done on all that time spent. Um, yeah. Any any words uh, of encouragement for? other Pacific women and girls thinking of going down a seafaring sort of pathway? Um, I would like to uh, encourage uh, uh, my sisters, if like they want to come to these careers, they have to be very strong and have a good heart and uh, work hard so that you can achieve what you want. Because uh, if we can do it, with me and these girls. So anyone can, any girls can, any ladies can. On the two-week fishing trip, Joanna and her crew will be accompanied by two experienced male deck crew trainers present to provide direction on safe procedures and handling of fish and help run safety drills. This female crewing initiative is the first phase of a project that is planned to be progressively rolled out in other Pacific countries by the Pacific Islands Forum Fisheries Agency with local partners.
Ongoing efforts to address a child malnutrition crisis in the Marshall Islands is being boosted with funding from the World Bank. National Health Research by UNICEF and the Marshall Islands government has found that most Marshallese children do not eat a lot of fruits and vegetables and the average primary school child lived off a diet heavy on packaged junk food like white rice, donuts and pancakes, ramen noodles and canned meat. A total of 30 million US dollars has been approved by the bank for two early childhood projects aimed at improving children's diets. Jan Kohut reports. According to the national health data, one-third of all children in the Marshall Islands are malnourished. It's a critical health crisis with flow-on effect to learning, which can lead to a long poverty trap. To help improve the situation for children, the World Bank's resident representative, Deji Young, says the project will support the continuation of programs focusing on early childhood development, health home visits, boosting attendance in preschools and increasing family support. This is a social protection activity and it ensures that um, for the for children both in, in all of Marshall Islands, um, there are some there is some cash that is going to be um, administrated to help them in the first 1,000 days of the childhood's life. The other aspect of this project is that for um, for mothers, um, we have uh, certain programs to ensure that you know when they are pregnant, they will actually ensure that they are have a, a healthy pregnancy. The first phase of this project, ECD one began in 2019 under the former president of the Marshall Islands, Hilda Heine, with a $12 million grant from the World Bank. And while there has been plans to create a second project, RNZ Pacific's Marshall Islands correspondent, Gift Johnson, says the first was hampered by the pandemic and the difficulty to get people into the country. And man, everything's been jammed up. Because you understand Marshall Islands is still COVID-free, and it's because of the border shutdown. The, the consequence of the border shutdown is all these donor-funded things have just been backed up for months and even years. I mean, the Japanese can't get infrastructure projects going. The Americans are all stuffed up. So it's just been, yeah, it's been a mess. That said, funding for the new project will start being rolled out soon. The Marshall Islands Early Childhood Development Coordinator, Frederick Muller, says there will be monitoring progress over the next five years. We are starting the registration of uh, early years uh, families uh, next Monday, June the 13th. And the payment uh, will be uh, made out uh, in August and then thereafter every other two months. We have a management uh, information system in place uh, where we will track the money as well as uh, also uh, uh, to uh, monitoring and evaluation. Uh, it, it's a five years uh, project. A national survey conducted in the 1990s by UNICEF and the Marshall Island government showed poor nutrition caused stunting in 35% of those surveyed. Through the early childhood development projects, health authorities are hoping to see an improvement in those figures in the coming years. That brings us to the end of Pacific Waves for today. Remember, you can download us free to your device from Spotify, iHeart, Apple Podcasts. And if you're using Apple, please leave us a rating so others can also find us. Fafite lava, tofasui for.